Brother Dale here from Gospel of Repentance Ministries. Thank you for tuning in. And once again, let's go over our theme. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Remember, that was the counterattack of the Lord Jesus Christ against uh, his arch enemy Satan when he was... Uh, in the wilderness uh, contending with the devil he responded to the devil by attacking him with the holy word of God and remember what it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 Paul speaking he said for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation you know, for all those who believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That word power is the word dunamis. It is where we get our English word dynamite. So the word of God has explosive dynamic power to change a life on the inside so that their conduct will begin to conform to the power of that word on the outside praise God remember we have been saved uh, for a reason to be conformed into the image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we've been saved not just this not simply to say that we're going to heaven but we have a reason uh, on this earth to be here and that is to produce and to exhibit Christ likeness can we be just like Jesus Christ of course not but we need to be as Christ like as we uh, as much as we possibly know how and that of course is a lifelong journey and pursuit so praise God uh, with that I guess I will segue <laughs> into the subject that I wanted to discuss uh, in this episode and that is is there such a thing as a heavenly language? <laughs> Some of y'all are probably listening to me now. So, okay, he's going to go there. Uh, yeah, I am. I am going to go there. Is there such a thing as a heavenly language? Now, if those of you who are listening are of a Pentecostal persuasion, a charismatic background, an apostolic background, and even some that are are Catholic and perhaps some of you who are listening may be from the uh, Church of the Latter-day Saints then you would say yes in other words this has to of course deal with the issue of tongue speaking speaking in tongues and there are many that believe because of a passage in 1st Corinthians chapter 13 that talks about speaking with the tongues of men and of angels that there have uh, there are many people that have resolved in their minds that there is a such thing as a heavenly language that we can utilize in our personal uh, lives to receive edification and to be built up on so what I'm going to do 
because I need to go over to that that book, First Corinthians, and look at chapter 13, and we'll look at verse number one, okay? First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one, it says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, this is Paul speaking, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Let's go to verse two. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Verse three. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth nothing. So what is the main thread here that Paul is trying to uh, impress upon his readers? It's the idea of charity or love. And so he's saying if he can speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now understand when he says angels, he's not literally talking about angel talk or a heavenly language. He's using uh, hyperbole. He's using metaphor. He's not literally talking about that he could speak in the tongues of angels because every time an angel spoke in the Bible, he spoke in the language of the people that they were communicating to. There wasn't some type of ecstatic, unintelligible language that they spoke in. It was a human tongue. It was a it was a human dialect. So and then he goes on in verse two it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have the face so that I can remove mountains, is he literally talking about a mountain? No. He's using once again, hyperbolic language. He's using exaggerated language to bring about a point. And the point that he's making, he says, if I could do all these things, if I could possibly do all these things, yet I don't have any love, then what's the point? He says, basically, I'm making a bunch of noise. And he says, and if I gave all my goods to, the, to feed the poor, and do I give my body to be burned? And he's not literally doing that, but he doesn't have love, then what's the point? He said, it profits me nothing. So if he had all these gifts, if he could do all these different things, yet he does not have any love attached to all the, the gifts and abilities and the faith and the prophecy and, and he can understand all mysteries, then without love, it doesn't mean anything. Now, of course, the subject of the matter that I wasn't, uh, that I wasn't trying to bring up the whole issue of love in this podcast episode, but the point that I wanted to stress is the whole thing about the heavenly language. Is there such a thing? And the answer to that question uh, is no. Now, I, I understand a lot of people that will listen to this will totally disagree with me, and that's fine. However, uh, God never intended for man to have a personal prayer language or a heavenly language. And that is because there there is a distortion and a misunderstanding on on the whole issue of tongues and why tongues existed in the first place. And there is this idea amongst uh, believers that there's maybe one more than more than one variation of tongues. There is a tongues that is spoken in the public assembly in the church. And then there's a tongue that is spoken in private amongst uh, the person alone that they speak to God because of a misunderstanding that's in the following chapter 
in first Corinthians chapter 14 a lot of people look at that as their personal prayer uh, language uh, scripture so let's go over there to first uh, Corinthians chapter 14 it says this uh, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue and the word unknown there is usually is in italics which means it was not in the original text it was placed there by the translators to provide clarification but actually in this instance it doesn't help it actually hinders the text it doesn't help the text for he that speaks in a it should it should read like this he that speaks in a tongue or in a language speaks not unto man but to God for no man understands him yet in the spirit he speaks mysteries but it, it, in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 14 it says but he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification and to exhortation and to comfort and then verse 4 it says he that speaks in an unknown tongue or a tongue or a language it's better rendered to say language edifies himself but he that prophesies edifies the church so the point being is that tongues is a an inferior gift it is a lesser gift the the intent should always be to prophesy in other words to speak in a language that everybody understands why so that everybody can receive uh, edification exhortation and comfort if I'm speaking in a language that no one understands then the only person that's benefiting from that is me and that's and that and that's not the intent that God wants us to have he wants us to do that which is going to build up everybody that's going to edify everybody that's going to give information to everybody if I have the gift of tongues and I'm speaking in German and everybody in the congregation in which I'm speaking to speaks English what's the point what is the point the only person that's benefiting from that is me how am I being benefited and I don't even and I don't even understand what I'm saying the reason why I'm being benefited is because I am being used by God in a supernatural way uh, and that's the only benefit there is but the point of uh, a church assembly is that everybody gets edified everybody gets exhorted and everybody gets comforted you follow what I'm saying so it doesn't make sense to me for a person to say that they speak in a um, in a personal prayer language or a heavenly language because they believe that it gives them some type of uh, supernatural divine connection to God in a way that they could not have unless they speak in that uh, that language and and just as I move further into this conversation what we're hearing today ladies and gentlemen when people are uh, babbling in tongues is actually what it is it's actually not the tongues that the bible has prescribed they're speaking in an unintelligible language in other words it is a it is gibberish it's nonsense they're not speaking to god at all they may be speaking to someone else other than god because keep in mind there are cults and there are different tribes that chant in different types of uh tongues or incantations and maybe and you may be speaking in something that you have no idea that you're speaking about because what we've been led to believe in the in the church particularly those that are in the Pentecostal and charismatic movements those that are heavily into 
into this tongues uh, phenomenon is that every time that a person spoke in tongues in the Bible, in, a, in, in other words, when they spoke in tongues, they spoke a language that they had never learned because they were able to speak that language because of a supernatural endowment by the Spirit of God. And in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it talks about that the Spirit of God gives the gifts as he chooses. In other words, he sovereignly gives each person gift or gifts as he chooses. It is not something that we can pray for. It is something that he sovereignly does. And the gift of tongues was a gift that was actually a sign gift. It was a gift that was a judgment gift, particularly against Israel. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses uh, 21 and 22, I'll read those to you. It says, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak to this people. And the people that Paul is talking about in particular are the uh, children of Israel and yet for all that uh, they will not hear me says the Lord then verse 22 it says this it says wherefore languages or tongues are a sign not to them that believe you understand you get that but to them that believe not but prophesying serves not for them that believe not but for them who believe what does that mean? What, what does he mean by that? That tongues is, is a sign not to those who believe, but those who do not believe. Tongues was a sign of judgment. And the first time, and, 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 what, and what Paul is doing rather, is he's, he's comparing uh, that verse of scripture, verse 21, comes from an Old Testament passage in Isaiah chapter 28. And because the people would not listen to God in their own language, God said, I'm going to judge you um, with a people of a strange language, a language you don't you don't understand. And and that was in regards to the Assyrians, which were enemies of God, uh, enemies of God and enemies of Israel in particular, way back in the eighth century B.C. And in 722 B.C. in particular, the children of Israel were invaded by the Assyrians and they were displaced. They were removed out of the 10 northern tribes in 722 BC by the Assyrians. So these people, these strange people with this strange language and this strange tongue uh, took the uh, northern tribes uh, captive. And so when you go all the way, you fast forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, uh, verse uh, 22, 21 and 22 in particular, that sign the gift of tongues or that sign of tongues is an, a judgment against the unbeliever in particular against unbelieving Israel and so that's why he says tongue is a sign unto unbelievers not to those who believe but to unbelievers and he says prophesying which means when you when you prophesy you're speaking the divine will and counsel of God so any any man any person that's in the pulpit preaching on a Sunday and teaching on a Sunday that is prophesying that is prophecy that is New Testament prophecy and what New Testament prophecy simply is is that you are forth telling you're, you're revealing 
the divine will and counsel of God. You're explaining the text of scripture. You're making it clear. You're making it plain. That's what prophecy is all about. And of course, when we prophesy, we're speaking in a language that everybody understands. So therefore, everybody's receiving uh, edification, exhortation, and comfort. So I had to say all that to simply say, because you, to say that, um, this heavenly language uh, phenomenon, it is a um, relatively new phenomenon. It pretty much started at the beginning of the 20th century, actually around the year 1900. And it's been going on ever since. It's because of our lack of understanding of what tongues was for, is our lack of understanding of, um, of the whole um, gift of tongues and our lack of scholarship, our lack of study. We have not taken the time to investigate it uh, clearly enough. And so therefore people are running around figuring that they're getting closer to God. They're, they have a more intimate relationship with God because they're babbling in a uh, language that actually is not a language, actually speaking gibberish because there's no such thing. I mean, how can you interpret gibberish? Because remember, when uh, when uh, Paul was speaking to the uh, Corinthians, he was he had to rebuke them and give them instruction because they were abusing the gift of tongues. And he said, if any man pray in a tongue uh, or speak in a tongue, he is to interpret that tongue. But if there is no one to interpret the tongue, whether it be by the speaker in tongues or someone with the gift of interpretation, which was the gift of translation, the person who was speaking in tongues was to keep quiet. The Bible says they're to speak to themselves and unto God. And here's another revelator that also a lot of people don't realize. Women were not to speak in tongues at all. How do I know that? We go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses uh, 34 and 35. It says, let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted to them to speak but they are commanded to be under obedience as also saith the law. Verse 35, and if any man, I'm sorry, and if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in church. Now this, this is one that um, of course, um, women don't wanna hear, and it's because it's a very uncomfortable passage of scripture, but women were not to speak in tongues at all. It was, it was not a gift that they were supposed to exhibit, why? because God said they were not supposed to do it. It had nothing to do with a woman's intelligence or anything like that, but God gave a directive. He gave a command, and that command was for women not to uh, speak at all in regards to speaking in tongues. It was something that God had reserved for men because men were the head of the church, just like men are the head of their homes. And I know in our contemporary society, in our liberal society where men and women are supposed to be equal, uh, these type of uh, thoughts and these type of uh, views are considered archaic, chauvinistic, and uh, just simply wrong in our society today because men are, and women are supposed to be equal in every single way. In other words, they're supposed to be equal in authority and equal in role. Everything is supposed to be even across the board. And of course, to me, that doesn't make any sense because if men and women are doing exactly all the same things, then how do you distinguish between the genders? But nevertheless, 
That is a, that is society that we are currently living in. So the whole thing about speaking in tongues was a gift that many believe ceased with the uh, with the death of the apostles because the tongues had a particular purpose and one of the purposes of tongues if you read in Acts chapter 2 was to preach the gospel and of course speaking in tongues would be effective very effective on the mission field when you're going to different countries and you're preaching the gospel if you can preach the gospel in a person's native language then they can understand what you're being what's being said and then they can and the whole purpose was to was to evangelize these uh, these foreign uh, people in these foreign countries and to uh, save them and on of course the day of Pentecost we find out that when the apostles spoke in tongues 3,000 souls were saved I mean they spoke in tongues they were mocked and then Paul had I mean Peter rather had to let them know that hey we're not drunk it's the third hour of the day and this is a fulfillment of prophecy and everything and so once he finished preaching the gospel to those um, Jews who had come from every nation um, of the world at that time the Bible says 3,000 souls were saved and they were baptized so tongues had a um, of course a um, tremendous benefit and of course in, in the 10th chapter of Acts is the second time we read about tongues being exhibited and God gave the ability for Gentiles to speak in tongues to prove to the Jews who had went to Cornelius house to preach the gospel that the same gift that they received on the day of Pentecost was the same gift that the Gentiles had received let them know that the uh, conversion was real and that this move was of God and so but there is no different types of tongues there was only one and it was the supernatural ability of a person to speak a language they never learned it was always a known human language there is no heavenly language where a person is speaking gibberish because they want to edify themselves and they want to increase their intimacy in some type of uh, esoteric way with God that is uh, not biblical I know it's popular I know it is accepted but if you take the time to examine the scriptures very carefully then you would know that uh, that what what people are doing right now is actually dangerous it is dangerous I mean I think I think at the very least it is deceptive at the worst it could be demonic when you're just babbling in unintelligible speech I mean studies have been done where people have gone to tongues meetings and you know these uh language experts these linguist experts have come to find out that uh, the things that people are speaking it's a learned behavior it is something that uh, it's picked up as uh, people hear it uh, a lot of people say the same things uh, I used to do it myself years ago when I was ignorant and didn't know any better and the fact of the matter is even if the gift is operative today ladies and gentlemen even if it's operative today uh, not everybody speaks the language I mean, what does it say in in First Corinthians chapter twelve? I'll tell you. It says this. It says, look at verse twenty nine. It says, "Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak in languages? Do all interpret? 
And, and, and the obvious answer to that question is no. So even if the gift of tongues was operable today, and some believe that it is, I'm not going to uh, argue uh, one way or the other. I, um, I am of the persuasion that the gift has ceased. And the Bible does say that the gift would cease in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says tongues will cease. The big argument and the big divide between those who are what we call continuationists who say that all the gifts continue to today versus those who are cessationists who says that certain gifts have ceased, the sign gifts in particular, and tongues would be uh, one of those gifts. There's the big argument as to when those gifts have ceased or if they uh, continue on uh, to this day. The fact of the matter is uh, not everybody speaks in tongues. If the gift is operative today, not everybody has that gift because it is the Spirit of God that determines who gets what gift. It's not determined by us, it's determined by God. So a heavenly language, uh, I guess some people feel they, der they derive benefit from it. Uh, I, I don't know what benefit they can simply have being that they're, they're speaking in gibberish, they're speaking in nonsense. I don't see the benefit of that at all. But there are those that feel they derive benefit from it by just speaking a bunch of uh, unintelligible words, unintelligible syllables. And that's because, once again, I, I believe we have not been taught uh, accurately. Uh, it is a, it's always going to be a big uh, divide. It's going to be always a heated argument. Um, I'm not one to have a heated argument about it. I, you know, I can have a friendly debate about it. I can um, disagree about it. And uh, I think in a loving way, because I've studied the scripture extensively in this area, I've read um, reliable uh, sensible articles on it and and you can do all that to people who are advocates of it and and tell them this is what the Bible says this is what this person said this is what that person said but if they are convinced in their own mind that this benefits them it helps them they feel better when they do it it calms them down maybe it it um, calms their nerves it puts them it centers them or whatever then they're going to continue to do it and, you know, I'm not going to, um, you know, crack them upside the head and argue and say, you know, stop this nonsense. This is devilish. This is demonic because they believe that it they derive benefit from it. So but in closing, uh, there is no heavenly language um, when it talks about that. In First uh, Corinthians, chapter 13, verse one, Paul is speaking and uh, he's, he's using hyperbole, which is a literary device. And it is um, exaggerated language to uh, drive home a point. It, it, it would be the same thing like when Jesus said, if your hand um, offends you, cut it off. Or if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Now, if that was literal, then that means Jesus would be advocating mutilation, you know, uh, harming yourself, you know, cutting off your hand. I mean, well, why, why would you want to do that? Obviously, you would bleed to death. If you pluck out your eye, you're going to blind yourself. Why would you do that? I mean, of course he's not talking about literally cutting off your hand and plucking out your eye. But what he's saying is that if that could keep you out of hell, if, if you have a member of your body that could keep you out of hell, it would be better for you to remove that member of your body from you so that, you, so that your whole body doesn't be cast into hell. If you could cut off your hand and cast it away from you, so that it can keep you out of hell, then do it. But of course, 
That's not what he's saying. I mean, he's using hyperbolic language. He's using exaggerated language to prove his point, just like he did when he uh, was talking to the uh, masses in John chapter 6. You remember when he says, um, if you don't um, eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. Was he advocating cannibalism? Was he advocating vampirism? In other words, you know, to, to, to drain his blood out of his body and to literally eat his flesh? Of course not. I mean, I, I believe he used that language to separate those who are who were true followers versus those who were fake followers. And of course, the majority of those who were following him only for the benefit of receiving maybe food or some other type of personal benefit, uh, he separated them. He, he used, I think, that language to offend them on purpose. This is my personal opinion. I can't prove that. But he used that language to separate those who are pretenders, pretend followers of his versus those who were authentic followers of his. And then by the time he finished his discussion with them, the Bible says most of them turned their backs and, and uh, followed him no more. They didn't walk with him anymore because they couldn't understand the uh, what they considered to be crass, crass language. Like In other words, why is this man giving, giving us his flesh to eat and um, his blood to drink? That's gross. That's disgusting. Why would he say something like that? You know, this man is crazy. I mean, first he's healing and now he's talking about cannibalism, but because their eyes were closed and they were spiritually dull and dense, they didn't get the import of what he was saying. In other words, he's saying, if you don't appropriate me to your life, if you don't believe on me, if you don't cling to me, if you don't uh, trust me, then you, you have no part of me. You can't be, you can't be my disciple. You can't, you can't walk with me. You can't follow me. So that's the point that he was trying to drive home. He was using hyperbolic language and the Bible uses that in plenty of times when it talks about God will cover us with his feathers. Well, God is not a bird. I mean, the writer is using what is called an anthropomorphism. He's depicting God in human terms or in human descriptions or even in that case, uh, that of a, of, a, of a bird. God is not a bird. God, um, we're not chicks, but you see the imagery there where uh, a bird, a mother bird will cover her young with her wings to number one, to protect them and also, I would imagine, also to keep them warm. So God in that sense is like a bird when he protects us and he covers us with his wings, which of course is symbolic just of his protection and of his covering. God is not a bird. He doesn't have wings. Okay. So that's all I needed to say about that. Uh, hopefully this uh, provides some insight into the whole thing about tongues, what it was used for, who it was for, um, who was not in, in particular for, and also to keep in mind that there's only, there was only one gift of tongues in the scripture. There wasn't one for, um, for public use. And then there's not a one for private use uh, to build oneself up. I don't uh, agree with that for one moment. I don't believe you can prove that from Scripture, even though uh, those uh, may believe it from, uh, from from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I believe it's a misapplied text. And remember, tongues was always a known human language that, once again, that the Spirit of God gave the speaker to speak, having never known the language. 
So it was a supernatural endowment because they spoke a language that they never learned. And the purpose of that was to preach the gospel is also a sign of judgment to the Jews. God bless you for listening. This is Brother Bill of Gospel of Repentance Ministries, and I'll catch you soon.